Hi, and welcome back to Patrice's Playlist. I'm Patrice, by the way, and I'm so excited that you are here with me. This is season two, and this is episode six of season two, and I'm super excited to flip the script for a little bit. We are going to talk a lot about Star Wars in this episode, and what I really love about this episode is I usually hear about guys talking about Star Wars. I don't know about you, and some of you might not even be interested in Star Wars at all, but... Just give me a chance. Give me a moment for a second. Because not only are we going to hear from a girl, a lady person, talking about Star Wars, but we're going to actually tie it into faith and story. And for those that are just pursuing a dream and a God-given dream even. And so we kind of we kind of go kind of deep with this thing. We start off kind of light and bright, and then we kind of go a little bit deeper. And so if you know anyone that is a huge Star Wars fan... Um, a Mandalorian fan. Uh, some of you Disney Plus people know what that's about. Um, definitely share this episode with them. But also you get to meet one of my absolute favorite people on the entire planet. She's a sister to me. You'll hear the story of how we met. And um, yeah, I just, I'm excited for you to get to meet Judy Fernando. And again, the music playing in the background is by my good friend, Tanya Ilyashova. She was the producer of this entire track called Home, which is featuring the singer Yvonne Park. I mean, this track is just so dreamy and I love it. Oh, and before I forget, Judy wanted me to make a note of this. In the conversation, we happened to mention the original Star Wars being distributed by Paramount Studios. Okay, that was wrong. <laughs> we caught that afterwards. It was actually the original Star Wars. It was actually distributed by 20th Century Fox. So for you diehard Star Wars fans, we caught that. But if there's anything else that I missed, please let me know. Okay, so now enjoy my conversation with the amazingly talented Judy Fernando. How are you feeling? <laughs> A little nervous. <laughs> I don't even know why. You're... I don't even know why either. <laughs> <laughs> but it's happening. So I'm so glad. Um, mostly because it's always been dudes that are nerding out, at least dudes around me that are nerding out about Star Wars. And mm-hmm. I love that you are a woman that loves this this franchise, do I call it franchise series? What do I call it? Mm-hmm. Franchise yeah. series, the storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get into like deep into the Star Wars uh, stuff, because you're basically going to be our resident Star Wars uh, consultant uh, on this podcast, because as you know, you recently got me into The Mandalorian, which opened up a whole new world for me. Yeah. And so. <laughs> Um, but first, before we get into that, I have some random Star Wars trivia that I just oh, randomly no. found. <laughs> Great. So I don't even know how legit this is, this is. So for any Star Wars uh, fan that's listening or watching this uh, conversation, uh, chime in. Let me know if you know the answers to some of this. Um, for context, too, we, you and I met in film school at mm-hmm. USC, and so... I guess you could kind of say your ties to the Star Wars, Star, Star Wars, the Star Wars story kind of is like you're connected now because you're at USC and George Lucas. What was his relationship uh, to the film school, University of Southern California, the film school? Because yeah. I know we had a class and a building that was named after him, yeah. but like, what was his relationship? 
so his relationship was that he was part of that first wave of 70s filmmakers that really made use of film school and really launched careers from film school where that became more rare. Um, you know, so he was that, when you think of USC film school as being one of the premier film schools, that's basically where they get their rep. And even though Steven Spielberg never actually attended, he, um, cause he was a prodigy. <laughs> um, he also donated a lot of money to USC, um, so hence, you know, it's literally the the film school that was built by Lucas and, you know, these pioneers of um, 70s, 80s cinema. So the wow. storytellers of our age, you know, so we're, we're beneficiaries of, of a lot of that um, filmmaking, you know, level that, you know, we yeah. that, whether we wanted to or not. <laughs> I just, I forget that Spielberg didn't, go to film school like he was just basically like cutting edge prodigy genius and so for those that are thinking about entering film like there are there's not just one way you know to do it uh you can go the film school route which we did uh or what did Spielberg do did he just I mean he was just making films on his own with yeah he's always I mean like all of them were making films on their own as kids but um for him, I think he he either tried to apply at some film school and it didn't work out, but he was basically already filming to the degree that he was able to to direct something, you know, without needing to. So he was busy doing his thing and gosh, I'm trying to remember the biography I read like 15 years I ago. Haven't, I haven't read it. But his career was basically launched without the need film school um but however he really did have a respect for it I think so that's that's where you know that's why he continues to even to this day you know believe in film education and all of that so oh okay that's good we'll we'll be talking more about that uh let's get to this this trivia uh (laughs) I'm gonna pull this up and Okay, these are, I think these are kind of hard. I mean, these feel kind of hard. So, sorry. (laughs) Um, Okay, so number one, who are the only two characters who appear in every Star Wars movie? C3PO. Um, I gotta look at my, okay. I'm C3PO, and I'm gonna say RTD2. Because I just am for the second. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you got it right. Phew, that's the only one. Can we stop here while I'm on the <laughs> I just want people to know that you're actually legit. I literally, <laughs> you know, I, to this day, and I've, I've gone to film school with you. I never, yeah. I can't remember. I don't know what my issue is, remembering character names. While we were watching The Mandalorian, I still refer to Nick Nolte's character as Nick Nolte. Like, yeah. the, this, is, this has been with me my entire life through film school. Yeah. So the fact that you remembered character names Okay, you, I feel like <laughs> someone's like, okay, she will we'll continue okay. listening. Okay, she's okay. She's legit. <laughs> the okay. rest I can guarantee, but you okay. know. Okay, mm-hmm. this one, this one you'll know. Um, who played Princess Leia? Carrie Fisher. Okay, okay, see, yeah. another one. She's okay. She's on a roll. She's on a roll. We'll only do like 10 of these. Um, oh, no. <laughs> let's see what you get out of 10. I mean, that's like a solid number. Um, who created Star Wars? George Lucas. Okay, all right. Okay, I think these are going to get a little bit tougher. Okay. Um, in what year was the original Star Wars film 
first released. Oh, in and what hope. year? The original was the original Star Wars film. I'm gonna say 1977. You guys, she's on fire. <laughs> How do you even know this? How do you even know this? I mean, I have been prepping, but you know, there's just random facts. And the 40th anniversary of Empire Strikes Back is this year, this past. Okay, so we're in the year so, 2020. We're in the year 2020 as this yeah, conversation is happening. Yeah, exactly. And so the whole saga is now 42 years old, I think. So total. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah, so it's literally been a generation's worth of film. Okay, saga. wow. You're on a roll. Okay, so number five. <sighs> um, which furry species lives on the forest moon of Endor? And you know I the just love- Ewoks. What? Yeah, she's five for five right now, you guys. <laughs> five for five. Mm. I would have only just gotten the one. Like, who created Star Wars? Like, that's the only <laughs> one I would have got. Okay. Um, how old was Yoda when he died? Oh, when he died. How um, old was Yoda when he died? I'm gonna say, go ahead. I'm going to say 900 years because that's what I read. But I think in Empire Strikes Back, he says he's been teaching. Jedi for 800 years. So I'm going to go with 900 and see. Correct? Is, is that it your final answer? I'm, yeah, I'm going to say it. Yes, you guys. <laughs> 900. 900. 900 is what is out there on the internet. Someone like check me, fact check me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, I actually don't know where that fact came from either because I've seen it on the internet, but I'm like, he only says I've been teaching jedi for 800 years but yeah i'm sure somebody did the math okay the fact that you even know that okay so we're on question number seven. Oh gosh <laughs> this is wow you guys i'm already impressed which movie is the one where luke finds out vader is his father which in this uh, series empire strikes back is that your final answer that's my final answer you guys, she's on fire. <laughs> that is correct. The Empire Strikes Back is where Luke finds out Vader is his father. P.S. Spoiler alert for those who have not watched this series. Sorry. Um, okay, number eight. Oh. Um, what species... Oh, yeah. We should probably say that in the beginning. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Whoopsies, everyone. Um, what species is... Oh. Jabba. What species is Jabba? Jabba the Hutt. Oh, well, gosh, I don't know. I'm so sorry. That, mm-mm. That you're fine? Yeah. Yeah. It, that's a... No. Nope. Okay. It was... You actually kind of said it. It's in his name. Hutt is his species. Oh, he's he's a, a hut. <laughs> okay. Oh, All right. That was okay. just one. Okay. Good um, to know. Good to know. Uh, you've only missed one. This is pretty good. Number nine, you only have two more. Who originally played Han Solo? Originally, um, is that a trick question? I mean, <laughs> you, you tell Harrison me. Ford. Harrison Ford plays Han Solo. Is that your final, final answer? Mm-hmm. You are correct. You are <laughs> correct. <laughs> was, like, was there someone else? <laughs> Okay, this one, this I like. I like this one. Um, who composed, this is the last one, who composed okay. the iconic Star Wars theme? John Williams. 
You guys, you guys, she, oh, okay. I'm going to give you a bonus one because you only missed one out of the 10. And this is your bonus one. Um, This is a tough one, I think. I think, because I for sure would not have known this. And well done for the John Williams uh, situation because, uh, yes. And we'll talk about the score of The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. Because get your life, everyone. Okay. Um, This is the bonus question. Which order brought about the death of the Jedi? Oh, okay. Which order brought about the death of the Jedi? I know it's from know, the this prequels, is like, and I forgot that they called themselves. Um, no, this is tough. Which order? Mm-hmm. I, it's not okay. I'm just the prequels are my least favorite. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that. Okay. Um, I'm just going to say the Galactic Empire, even though I think that's wrong. And I'm pretty sure that's wrong. Is that your final answer? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It, it is Order 66. Oh. Order 66? Oh. Okay. Um, feel free to fact check us, everyone. Again, the internet can sometimes lead your girl astray. But uh, I think you did pretty good. I mean, yeah. that was like round one. When we have you back, I mean, I'm going to be asking some other Okay. Uh, questions, but okay. Why do you not, why are the prequels? <laughs> we've talked about this a little bit, but why are the prequels your least favorite out of this whole franchise? Oh, okay. So, um, I mean, I'm assuming everyone listening has some knowledge of star Wars and, um, just going to also say there will be spoilers. So if you don't want to know certain things, just yes. go watch this before you yeah. um, go further. So the prequels for me were, were what I could actually go and see in the theater because I couldn't see the original trilogy. So I remember 1999 having, this was so hyped, Phantom Menace came out. You know, you're so stoked because like, yeah, it's Lucas telling the, the story of Anakin before he became Darth Vader. And you're oh, like, so Lucas did direct these. He did direct these? He prequels? did. He directed okay. the prequels. Okay. Um, and then it was just that I think because you knew the magic of the first trilogy that you just expected magic again. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just not there. And I think for, for me, so I, I have seen only two out of the three prequels, by the way. So I've never actually seen Revenge of the Sith. Wow, which okay. people tell me that is, yeah, so the prequels would be in order into Menace, and then Attack of the Clones, and then Revenge of the Sith. Okay. Um, and I, I guess the first two are weak in that, first of all, I think it's just some of the dialogue and acting is pretty stilted, which a lot of critics commented on. But to me, it was almost focused heavy on visuals and the technology part and not the story part. Okay. And you could really tell. You know, there were some moments which were really great. Um, And I do think that you definitely get the arc of why Anakin sort of chose the dark side, which is the story of the prequels. Okay. Um, But it's very, it also gets really political and, you know, the, the, the political battles going on within the Jedi plus um, the Sith, it just becomes a lot. 
Mm. So I think it almost is just like, it's very balloon voluminous. No, mm. no. It's full of volume, full of stuff. And then like you're too much to, going on. Is it like too much? Or? I think a little bit. And so you could sort of get lost for the content of these side stories and, um, you know, subplots and you're, you're mostly interested in the main one. And so that could oh. be condensed pretty easily. So yeah, but I mean, you know, a lot of people have given it a second view now that we're hitting the 20 year mark on those movies. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, I, I might, I might do that. <laughs> you did not sound convincing to anybody. When you well, said yeah, that. I mean, I will, I will at least see Revenge of the Sith. So that, that I can promise. Wow. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. For those that are joining this conversation, would love for you to chime in what your thoughts are on, what do I call these? The prequels? Is that the what prequels. I call them? The, the prequels. prequels. Yeah. And so basically they're setting up the world before uh, or, and all the events. Can you kind of give us a little bit of some broad strokes of the, the main, like what came out in 77 and that trilogy and yeah. then what the prequels attempted to do? Okay, sure. So um, most of the, the original trilogy, which came out starting in 77 through maybe I'm going to say 85. I'm not quite sure. Um, I think it took about seven years to complete. But for that, that established basically the story, the hero that we follow is Luke Skywalker um, and how he becomes an unlikely Jedi. Um, and oh. so that also then reveals the, the antagonist of the story, which is Darth Vader which we also then realize is, as Luke discovers, is his father. Mm. So the battle then is not only just between the forces of good and evil, the light and the dark side, but it becomes sort of this son redeeming the father. Um, oh. And that is, is sort of, to me, what the biggest... What the biggest um, emotional through line of okay. the original trilogy is. So the prequels then sort of go into the fact that, um, all right, so before Darth Vader was Anakin Skywalker, who was a Jedi like Luke, but something turned him. So we discover, we go through- Oh, wait, 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 back up, back up. So wait, you said Darth, can you say that again? So Darth Vader was- Darth Vader, before he became Darth Vader uh-huh. and had gone to the, the dark side, was in fact a Jedi. Okay. Um, yeah. And so he was using the force for good and right. trained in those ways. Okay. But we never see that until the prequel. So it starts okay. with, the, basically, he has this designation as the chosen one. Um, you know, he's uh, already very, he's innately um, full of the force. And so that's what sort of allows the Jedi to latch in on him and then train him up in a way. And so he very early on, um, he's paired with mentors in the prequels okay. and one of them, one of them dies. And so then his surrogate mentor becomes Obi-Wan Kenobi, who is then also in the original trilogy oh, okay. um, briefly and teaches Luke Skywalker. So it's interesting that they both for a time have the same mentor um, but the thing is, we understand too, what the training of the Jedi involves in, in, at least in that particular, particular set of the prequels is, um, there's this 
sense of detachment. You need to sort of um, let go of emotion and um, sacrifice. There's a spirit of sacrifice that is throughout all of them. But um, the thing which I think the story of Anakin becoming Darth Vader is that he's, he's asked to emotionally detach from family, especially his mother, and then the woman that he ends up, you know, loving, um, which is Padme, the princess character. And so because of his, his desire to sort of keep his family preserved or just to to have it for himself, um, it becomes his, his downfall. And he ends up turning to the dark side to in, in hopes of preserving that family, which, um, you know, which becomes manipulated by the dark side. But again, once you're in so deep, you know, he's, he then becomes dependent on it. So there's a point of no return for him in the prequels. And I think that happens in the second movie for sure. But um, yeah, so that, that cements his status as sort of, all right, I've turned my back on the light side and wow. I'm, going to, I'm going to sort of use my emotion as well with the force, which then sort of makes him susceptible to the dark side and the voice of the dark side. Yeah. Wow. So I think that's a very, a very general way of explaining it. There's a lot more that goes into it, but I I always believe in broader themes. Like emotionally, this is what I think is the most resonant thing. So. Uh Wow. So with like the store with the original trilogy, did George Lucas always plan for it to be like a three-parter or was it, did it start like, was it just meant to be just that first, what is the first film again? So A New Hope was the one that was um, episode four. (laughs) No, in 77. So I'm saying in the beginning in 77, Mm -hmm. what is it called? A New Hope? That's what it's called. Yeah. A New Hope. Star Wars, A New Hope for real? Wow. I never knew that. Yeah. And then it's The Empire Strikes Back and then it's Return of the yeah return of the jedi wow okay so that first one was it ever meant to be a standalone film or i well lucas from what i i have read is that he never expected it to be a hit so he was trying to like throw everything that he could into this movie to get it made and he he didn't believe that there would be like any kind of saga out of it because you know nothing like that had been done before so you never think there's going to be Another one. Another one. <gasps> so, yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of great as a standalone film, but it also works as the beginning of this original trilogy, because as great as it was to establishing that character, the second story is really the strongest of them, and I think most um, Star Wars fans and even critics will say cinematically, that's that's the the best movie of all of the nine, I think just because it's able to give this plot twist, but it establishes character, um, you know, and the story is so strong and you really see the hero's journey the most in Empire Strikes Back. Ooh, how did, how did this, how did this film even get made? Like how, how, like, what was that journey? Do you know a little bit about how the first film got made? Like, and who, who was, who was the studio behind it? I don't even know. Oh, at that point, I believe. I, I mean, I need to do these fact checking. So please, I hope yeah, everybody fact check us. Please, everybody fact check us. It's totally fine. Um, I believe that it was at the time of the originals. It was Paramount. So I don't know if they just gave them funding for the first one, but 
you know, he got the money. Um, and he had made this other film, you know, American Graffiti. So I think that was pretty that's indie popular. Right, that's right. Um, and then, and then somehow he, he and Francis Ford Coppola, so another big filmmaker of the seventies and eighties, um, you know, kind of were, he was almost mentored by Coppola in some ways. And okay. because Lucas himself had such a, his inclination towards filmmaking with the technology part and the, the, you know, camera and, and that kind of thing, that, that was his strength. Yeah. Um, whereas with Coppola, it was writing and character. And so he helped build, mm-hmm. you know, his skills in that way. And so I think that becomes so prevalent when Lucas takes the helm of Star Wars and, mm-hmm. you know, it's a complete picture. It's not just a sci-fi, you right. know, effects heavy to, tech heavy yeah. um, thing. It really does go deep. It has a lot of values that we all can identify with and point point out. Um, yeah. But there's also a lot of fun, a lot of fun in it, which also makes it work because um, yeah, it's exploring serious themes, but in a very adventurous and likable way. Yeah. That's what I noticed. Cause we were you know talking about earlier like why this resonates so strongly in culture across cultures um, for, you know, for 40, you know, something years, this is like, it's such a big deal. And I think because of those, you know, the characters, the story hitting these themes that are so meaningful to us, but I think, you know, drawing out to our need for adventure as well, our appreciation and our passion for adventure. um, It's like all, within, you know, the series. And so it's like, you know, I realized, you know, I'm, I, you know, we, we appreciate story in general, like really good stories. And, Mm -hmm. and we also appreciate like sci-fi, you know, too, when it's done with story and character in mind. And so like, there's, I find, you know, there's other sci-fi worlds, you know, that kind Mm -hmm. of touch on this, you know, and, and we get that, but for some reason, it's like Star Wars has hit on something, the convergence of a lot of things at once. And so I'm always fascinated, like, you know, the behind, like why? And, you know, when I talk to people about it, they're so passionate, you know, about this, the storyline, what I'm really fascinated with, and we were watching this, um, you know, too earlier, just the technology, you know, that was even innovative, you know, in 77, like for that time. And now fast forward to the Mandalorian, you know, 2019, 2020, um, the technology that's used and this this game engine technology. Yeah. <laughs> she's already like so. She's, she's so excited. She's smiling. She's like game engine. And I remember you talking years ago about VR and how excited you were about it. And just for those that, um, well, I you wouldn't know. Let me share with you. Like you know, her, her Judy's background um, is in working with different. Well, I'll let you say it too. Um, working with different artists in what capacity, like in special effects, but um, with a major studio. And and now she's also now in the gaming world, associate producing um, as well, but kind of gives us some broad strokes of what you've been doing for the last uh, decade, you know, yeah. regarding technology. That, it's really by accident because after film school, you know, we both had this love of documentary. Um, and so... So even though that was kind of the path that, you know, seemed to be set for at least the next few years, um, I fell into visual effects, 
which is the post-production side of um, filmmaking. And it's something that actually I had never been exposed to, even during film school. It was kind of, you know, our, our kind of storytelling didn't really involve special effects and visual effects. It was not really something that we didn't green screen things. We didn't film with animation in mind. Um, so it was a completely new world to me. Um, and so I fell into that probably late, uh, beginning of 2010. So that was 10 years ago. And so like I ended up what in, entails and that there is, you know, you know, there's an army in filmmaking, um, whenever there's a set, you see like all these credits, but then what I learned was that just as important, if not even more important are the artists who are in post-production and visual effects who literally make worlds and characters come alive. Like there can be something that is shot on set with a practical actor and everything else will be added. The character he's talking to will be added and animated and lit um, and placed in the scene uh, and integrated so that you will be like, okay, I'll, I buy that he's talking to this chipmunk or something. Yeah. And <laughs> that's all because of this army of um, departments and artists who are so skilled and really are unsung heroes in some of these blockbuster films. Like we would not have the Marvel, Marvel movies that we do, the superhero movies or the Star Wars movies without them. And yeah, and I just want to interject all those like thousands of names, those hundreds of names that you see in the end credit. For those that stay for the end credits, I do just because it's a film student like habit thing. But like just to kind of give honor to like all the people that just took time to do these details that Judy's mentioning. But you see, you know, you've seen those blocks, especially in Marvel movies. And you see just, all oh, you just see is like a list of a hundred and, you know, names. Da, 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 da. And these are all, you're saying, people that are a part of the visual effects. Yeah. I mean, post-production visual effects, but visual effects itself, since that's the little, you know, subsection I um, have worked in, that is uh, like a huge team. It can be anywhere from depending on the scope of the work, like five artists to 500 on a movie. And sometimes um, more depending on what's needed and how quickly a project needs to get from, you know, um, after being shot to release. And sometimes wow. that window is so tight as so small. It's no small miracle that these people are able to pull off what they do. Um, sometimes, you know, with, very, um, very challenging demands of, you know, creative studio executives and on top of that, you know, time constraints. So you know, they, they pull off the miraculous, really. I, I have seen it happen time and time again. So I will never take that for granted. Um, but I think Lucas definitely has been at the forefront of just, um, you know, even in the original trilogy, working from miniatures and using, you know, uh, these characters that are practical, um, but, but also advancing technology in the same way. And then there are things that are behind the camera that you will never know mm. that he has technologically spearheaded and pioneered and allowed technical people to really have this role in filmmaking, you know, because uh, okay. sometimes a lot of it was practical special effects, which were you would see it in camera, but then a lot of it became behind the scenes. And so he was pioneering that even after 
the original trilogy came out mm. 10 years, you know, there was 10 years between that and the prequels, but he continued to sort of make these movies and everything he was involved in sort of pushed a technological envelope because otherwise for him, I think that's really his fuel. Um, and you can see it and it pays off because even in the prequels, the technology was amazing. Um, you know, almost to the point of becoming the star, yeah. <laughs> which may or may not be a good thing. But I think um, definitely we would not have the special, the visual effects that we take for granted now without what, he, you know, he's pioneered, especially yeah. in the Star Wars um, saga. Yeah, for sure. What made you like get interested in VR? Um, because I remember you having conversation and I was like, huh. Yeah. I mean, it sounds cool, but like what actually sparked your interest uh, oh, wow. This- um, yeah, I, I think it was because um, I, I also don't come from a gaming background or um, like I'm not really a techie person. Um, but I really think when I saw this, I was at this um, conference that is sort of geared for visual effects and that kind of um, uh, technological audience Mm-hmm. And then I happened to see like these VR demos and what was possible, okay. you know, even at, like just as short as two years ago. And I was seeing like little companies in Spain doing this and then the bigger companies like Disney doing this. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh my gosh, it's like seeing a little future, you know, you're so awed by it that you are like, oh my gosh, I'm on the verge. Like I can see what's beyond this. Yeah. And it's, it's literally taking my breath away. Like what, what the possibility is, um, because in VR, um, you know, especially with the times that we're in, you know, um, we're limited physically, but VR is not. And, you know, even with the limitation of having to put on a headset and how awkward and clunky that is, once you're in, once you're in, you are completely in a 360 different world. You mm. can do things that, you know, the characters in movies do. You can be Luke Skywalker, you know, holding your lightsaber. Nice. It is, nice. it has so much potential. And I think it's just, you know, we're at the very beginning stages of it. And I think, um, yeah, it's going to have an effect, not just in the kind of films we watch, but the kind of films we make. Like Mandalorian even went into that technology a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I think storytelling will change as a result of yeah. VR. I don't fully know how that's going to look, but I feel like that's the new frontier, you know? Yeah, that's- no, I agree. I agree. I, I'm still so impressed visually with The Mandalorian as well as the score, which you know, I said we were going to come back to this. Um, who did the score again? Do you remember? Oh, gosh, I can't remember. I can't remember anyway. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, but shout out to, I see if I can look it up really quick while we're in the midst of, of this. Um, yeah. He deserves it. <laughs> I know. I just like, I want to mention his name in this. Hang on a second. Oh, Ludwig. Oh, uh, it's a beautiful name that I'm not going to do justice to, but Ludwig Gorenson, Gorenson or Gorenson. Shout out to you, Ludwig, because I just felt like bathed in sound that helped to propel the story. It, like you knew it was there and and you wanted it there, but at at points you forgot that it was there. And I think that's like the, the hallmark of a good 
score because in essence, it's kind of like another character as well, you know, in storytelling, but it, it, it has, it has a space to play in and a place and, and all these things. And I just felt like the nuances of, of that score, it was just, I, it felt like, ooh, we've now entered into some some really cool territory right. with with scoring again. Yeah. Like it just was like John Williams, ah, and now Ludwig. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, but just thinking of like The Mandalorian and why it works so well. I want you to kind of share some of your thoughts of why do you think The Mandalorian works so well? Because everyone sort of got hit out of the blue with it. Being there, like, oh, okay, The Mandalorian. Ah, and it wasn't just like baby Yoda, you know, who is adorable and yeah. very meme worthy, yeah. but like it, I felt like it came out of nowhere. Disney did a nice one, two punch. Cause we weren't, mm-hmm. it, cause people seemed very disappointed with the current Star Wars releases. You know, it was mixed, very mixed reviews. So yes. then this kind of slid in on the new Disney platform. And I want some of your thoughts. Why do you think that this worked so well? Okay, I have a few thoughts. Um, I think it, one of the reasons it has to work so well is that John Favreau, Dave Filoni, they really were going to stay. They are the executive producers. I was going to say, yeah. John Favreau right. is yeah. the writer of, um, you know, most of the episodes, but he's overall executive producing. Um, those two are trustworthy with the material. Um, and I think they were willing to do a smaller scale story because Star Wars is so epic. It is so epic that you're just like, oh, it has to be big. Mm -hmm. And it does, but it also works by being small. And literally they worked on that by choosing, you know, this child character as this amazing reveal in the first episode, but also revealing this very stoic and cowboy-like character that is a bounty hunter completely mass head to toe um everything about it was a challenge but what they ended up revealing was this um just it's a again it's a relationship that runs deep because you see from episode one complete change in this character and he goes through this arc and it works and it's also amazing because this special child which they call um, baby Yoda slash the asset, um, Mm -hmm. you, you know, that this is happening at a time that no one has the language of star Wars. So they don't know what is a Jedi, what is the force? And we're all kind of on that journey. So we almost in a way know more than these characters because they're like, how did you do this? And what is this? So yeah. they don't know the language for it and we're learning along with them. Or for the first um, time for some of us. For the like, first or time. for kids that are just getting introduced to this, right? Yes, yes. Like, oh, this adorable little creature has this strange ability and power and that creature is learning as yeah. well, you know? Um, so it is just a journey of discovery. But also I think the biggest thing is that um, you, you tell a small story hmm. that literally is focusing really on these two characters and these these minor characters that seem to come in, they also get developed in such a beautifully rich way. Um, talking about the Nick Nolte character, Quill, I believe, and even IG-11, who's the droid, they get a character arc. And that is so satisfying because yeah. that harkens back to the original trilogy for me um, in a way that's 
sadly, the um, the most recent trilogy did not. Um, so I, it's not that the original trilogy was unsuccessful. I would not say that because I think some things work really well, really, really well. Um, it was just sort of a little too uneven for me. This last, this, this last batch of... This last batch. Um, yeah. And again, you have to sort of like pick them almost individually out, uh, you know, just like with the prequels or the originals. But, um, but yeah, I felt emotionally connected to the Mandalorian, like uh, in episode one. And I did not expect to, I, I was late to the game too. I only saw it earlier this year you know, right before the start of the quarantine. Yes, <laughs> and yes. I was before only in it for Baby Yoda, like most people. And then it got me with the story. And I was like hooked from then on. And then I rewatched episodes because I was like, this is so good. It's a space Western. It's like a spaghetti Western. Yeah. Um, you're setting it in space. And I mean, like, that part, when, when it was, you know, when you, when you use that language of it being a Western, you know, set in space. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's what this has been this whole time. That's why this works. Because I've always wondered what about that genre, you know, and John Favreau commented on this in one of the, you know, sort of behind the scenes, you know, talks, but it's like, it's not just about the roping. It's not just about the, you know, whatever. It's about this this storyline that you're able to connect to, but it's just in this setting that is also so captivating and so adventurous as well. But when, yeah, when you, when you, that language was said, you know, this is a Western basically in space. I was like, ah, oh, that feeds so much of like a cultural narrative on so many levels, um, yeah. which I just thought was fascinating. So you're saying, you know, that this work, the Mandalorian really works because they're not trying to do a whole bunch of stuff. Um, they're working sort of with like one, a smaller story, but ex- like, and then going, expanding from that smaller story, like all these different things around it. Yeah. That's not uh, what you're saying. I think so. And I think, you know, it's maybe not all of the episodes are as um, captivating as the others, you know, but it works. Yeah. Um, I think by the, I think there's eight episodes, right? So yeah. Yeah. it does work because from beginning to end, I feel like every character you're introduced to has changed, which is really successful. Um, and you are either, you know, you're invested, you know, and you see, um, you see characters change, you see them develop, you see the attachment created. And, um, I don't know, to me, that's, that's a great part of storytelling and filmmaking. And I love that the technology is there, but it takes a back seat to what the story and characters are. Like, I mean, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. It's incredible, especially, you know, looking at, you know, the space in which they created all those sets in the volume, you know, on this very unique uh, set that looks like a, you know, a gamer's dream, basically. Mm-hmm. It's like a gamer's dream, but like in order to, co- you know, coordinate the camera um, and the screens to flow with the movement of the camera. And so the background is constantly changing for the actors. And, and you know, I have a bit of seeing that experience, you know, on screens um, you know, for live television shows and for award shows where they're trying to create this very immersive um, experience, this immersive type of performance, you know, for the audience and to make it, you know, cutting edge. And, and just in the last few years, you know, you've seen some very interesting things. It, it doesn't translate well, I think, um, to a television or a streaming audience because they're just getting sort of uh, just like a third of what mm-hmm. is being experienced live. But 
with the Mandalorian, it's like that, that technology translates to your personal screen. And, you know, whether you're watching that on a laptop or on a big screen TV, yeah. it, man, it's, I was just, I was kind of in awe. Yeah. And I mean, it envelops you. And I mean, I think that's the thing that a lot of some of these bigger movies don't allow is like this breathing room, mm. you know, to like take in a Vista because you're like, oh, wow, this is a new world. But you see it for the briefest of moments. Like if you blinked, you missed it. Yeah. And suddenly we're off to the, you know, the space race or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The space race. We're on, we're on to it. Um, but I just like the smaller beats. You just take it in because mm. I think, again, I'm going back to the original because it did allow for you to take in, you know, the planets of Tatooine um, where Luke Skywalker grew up. And you're like, oh, it's like a wasteland. Who would live here? Mm. Um, and just take it in, breathe it in, and then go into, you know, the the propelling action. Yeah. But um, it's... Yeah, I really love that they took their time yeah. in the environment and then also let the characters breathe in the environment, you know, in the desert mm-hmm. and just have these, it became a second part of the story. So, oh my gosh. So, so good. Uh, what is like some advice that you'd give to future filmmakers, those that are uh, just getting their start, whether they're 55, whether they're 15 or somewhere in between. Um, and they, are wanting to kind of tell a certain story or what have you. I mean, you know, we've had conversations with all kinds of people like, do you need to go to film school? Do you not? But like, as of today, like what would be something that you would say to encourage someone who is, feels led to be a storyteller or a filmmaker in some way? That's, that's a good question. I would say, (laughs) and I'm speaking to myself here. (laughs) And me too. Yeah. I mean, because I don't think as, Filmmakers, I still consider myself a filmmaker, even if I'm not actively making a film. Um, mm. You are first and foremost a storyteller, so you need to keep looking for the story. Um, number one, and the story is all around you. And I'm going to go back to something that Yoda sort of says in Empire Strikes Back, which is, you know, you're always looking for this other thing. You know, the future, worrying about this or the past, and what what we have had to overcome when sometimes the solution and even the story is right in front of you. It's right in front of your nose and he does it where he like pokes him on the nose, but sometimes it's right in front of us. Um, So I feel like a lot of people with a story to tell whatever form that is. Yes. Your past defines who you are. Yes. You are looking toward the future and what might be, but really the story is in front of you because that's, that's where you are, you know? And so the story is where you are. Um, and I think, again, whether you decide to go to film school and do formal training, you need to be a student of life and character. Um, so the more that you read, the more art that you're exposed to, um, and I mean painting, the traditional forms and film, especially if you're going into film, um, learn what it means to describe your vision on a page, um, especially in the language of film, because it's different than if you were making a novel. It's different than if you were making a play, but you need to know the mode in which you want to sort of really reveal your story and then become a student of it. And you're never too old 
to learn or keep learning or relearn because yeah I mean I think that's kind of why Lucas works as a great example because he was a student then but he never stopped learning um it's not like he's he's still a student of life and of technology and the things that drive him so you will never stop learning and so you will never stop becoming a student of life that's good yeah. So um, mostly that and to be consistent in small things, you don't necessarily have not have a dollar directing deal, but that doesn't mean that you can't still take steps every day or every week to be true to the inner artist, to be true to your inner storyteller and just get something on the page or write or maybe even write a short film or direct a short film something that keeps that part of the brain and that, you know, that spirit man alive in yeah. you, you know? Yeah. I think that's brilliant. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that is, wow. Yes. I know someone's going to rewind that and like, just let those words hit your heart and your mind over again. Cause he was spitting a lot of wisdom in that you said something um, about our past or our past defining us. Can you explain that a little bit more? Like, because how does that affect, you know, as a storyteller, what do you, what does that mean? What do you mean? Because that can feel very restrictive as well to certain yeah. people. Um, you know, there are certain, we all carry our past with us, you know, whether you're five years old or 50, you, you have a past with you and that has sort of formed who you are. There's experiences and there's other people that have, imprinted you and sort of made you into who you are. Um, yet, you know, one of my favorite quotes, this is not Star Wars related, but it's um, a quote from John Paul II, the second. Um, and it is that we are not the sum of our weaknesses and fears. We are the sum of the father's love for us. Mm. And what I always think about whenever I'm sort of like getting this pl- into this place where, you know, I want to dwell on something that might be a darker side of me or it, or something that, you know, may take me to the dark side. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something that always bursts through, which is that, that yes, God is with me in the past, the present and the future. But what I'm given right now mm-hmm. is this moment. So, mm-hmm. so what, what I have to do with it is I get to create this moment. I mm. do. I, I get to be the storyteller of how this moment goes. Mm. Um, and in, it is such a battle sometimes for your own mind sanity and how we direct that narrative yeah. because we feel powerless yeah. in some ways against it. We think this external circumstance, this person is going to write my story for me. This is what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And we all fall fall prey to that. But I think the reminder in that is that you actually, you actually are your storyteller and you have a power that's way more that God has given you Mm -hmm. Um, because it's not, it's him who lives in us. Right. So especially as believers, um, but even not, it's just holding on to the one who has hope, even when you don't have it yourself. Um, and hope is something that can be very small, almost, almost, you know, hard to decipher, but if it's there, that's enough to place your faith and go on 
you know, you, your story doesn't end here. This is not, this is not the end. Mm. So um, I, I think, you know, not to be preachy or, um, you know, to negate anyone's past because some people have gone through way darker things than I have or that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be a springboard for many people into their story. But the thing is, God, is, I think we need to worry about us now mm. and who we are now because mm-hmm. we cannot control the past. Mm. We can't control what happened to us or the people that happened to us, but we can control who we are now. And that's a grace. Um, and you just have to sort of enter into it and surrender to it, which yeah. is, it's bigger than us. It's bigger yeah. than us. And I think Star Wars does mention that in, you know, even in a casual viewing, you'll get that. Like, I'm part of something bigger. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. I'm, yeah. I think this whole, this whole idea and this truth that we are a part of something that's bigger than us. And there's hope in that. I thought it was very interesting um, listening to sort of more of the behind the scenes with Dave Filoni um, mentioning what George Lucas said, you know, as he's sort of giving Dave some, you know, um, leeway or or, um, not even just leeway, but leading certain things, you know, in this, in this franchise now. And, but him saying like, but make sure you keep it hopeful for the Mm -hmm. kids make sure it's this story stays hopeful. Yeah. That's what they need. And I think there is also like a responsibility as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. you know, as you're leaning into the story that you're meant to tell, like you have to be connected to the, there's a bigger story that is actually hopeful. And that's what we are hungry for. That's what we are wanting to see, but that's also truth to our hearts. Like there is a bigger story at play. And I think you've answered now my main question of why has this storyline and we, you know, on another episode of this or another, you know, whatever we can talk about, you know, the, the power of myth and, you know, Joseph, uh, is it Joseph Campbell? Yeah. Joseph yeah. Campbell and, you know, that whole thing and his influence, um, you know, in the star Wars, uh, story as well, but I feel like you really just nailed it for me of why this story is so successful and has been and mm-hmm. stands out among many in its genre, stands mm-hmm. out head and shoulders above, you know, so many others. And because this constant reference to the force, this constant reference to something that is way large, I mean, even the galaxies alone are already, you know, beyond, you know, what we're just our earth, our city or whatever. It's okay. It's galaxies, galaxies, multiple, but then uh, beyond that, there's also this force that is beyond the galaxies of all the galaxies that we're seeing in this world. And that resonates with us because there is something beyond us. There's something bigger. And, And you and I both truly believe that we both love God. We are both Jesus lovers. Um, that's not really that much of a surprise to anyone that's listening to these podcasts. Um, but I love how the Lord speaks to us through culture and through story. And that's one of the things that God has done for you and I separately, you know, and then when we got together, you know, in film school, we, you know, it was like, oh, and you see this and I see this and what have you. And I just want to encourage those that are listening, like the Lord can speak to you, um, in, in, so many different ways. And I love Mm -hmm. that, you know, Jesus spoke in parables. He spoke in stories. Mm -hmm. Um, That is a language that we really resonate with as human beings. Um, And that is just the wonder and the mystery and the beauty of how God has made us. 
Um, but looking to these stories and culture um, that really, I believe, are an invitation for God to say, hey, how about you? Why don't you search this out a little bit more? Why don't you, you, you're so enamored with this because you're made for more. Why don't you search this out? Star Wars is just meant to be sort of like the, the invitation. Yeah. It's not, you're not actually supposed to stop there. It's supposed to be the invitation because we believe like there is, there is so much more in God that, you know, the, the Bible says like no ear has seen, no eye, um, no eye, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. I said it backwards. <laughs> no, and, I was I, and I was like, I know I was like, well, I mean, who knows how the senses will fully work, right? No, but no eye has seen, no ear has heard of all the amazing things that God has prepared for his kids. And so that's beyond, you know, what we can think or imagine, what we see even in our current galaxy. Um, it's beyond that. And I think that's exciting. I think that's exciting for God to reveal that to us. He's like, oh, you have no idea of the good things that I have for you, the good things that I have in store for you. And I think ultimately that's where that hope is and having a good father, like, yeah. and not just an, an impersonal, you know, force, but I feel like that force sort of points us to like, oh, there's actually, because when we start to think, you know, why everyone loves to talk about like the universe is doing this, the universe is doing that. And it's like, why is it so much of a stretch to think that the universe actually has a personality, mm-hmm. actually has a heart, actually has, why would that be such a stretch? It's not really, it's not really, but it's like, when when we sort of oh because actually love comes from God that's that's an emotive thing and that involves sort of person wow and then it starts you know God starts to talk to you he starts to to lead you down these beautiful paths and before you know it you're like whoa I am seeing something I never saw before I am experiencing peace like I've never experienced before and um yeah and so you see you see how we how quick that happened. I mean, we're talking about Star Wars. We're going to be nerding out on, you know, this throughout the the future of this, this podcast series for as long as we get to do it. But I just thought it would be fun, really fun and refreshing to, to talk to someone who's passionate about storytelling, who is working in the field of movies currently, um, and someone that I know and trust and love and who also loves God. So I hope, um, Judy, you had some fun in this conversation. Um, thank you (laughs) you did amazing in the trivia by the way I know that's yeah that is what gave me the chills (laughs) but it was a hard question I must say I know I know you did uh, you did great and so if people want to continue uh this Star Wars love and adoration Mm -hmm. and uh this conversation with you where can people just send you a quick message uh what's the easiest for you to respond because you're not on social media a whole bunch but where can they find you no i'm not so um i do have instagram i'm under judy.fernando i can't promise you know i will check it regularly but you like well i will check it regularly but i'm i'm not like every day all day on it um so yeah that's really my only social media platform at the moment yeah, because you're and, busy working uh, and living life and telling and writing stories. What are you working on right now? What do you uh, think that you might be working on? You could do. You don't have to go into any sort of great detail, but are you working yeah. on anything? Well, um, you know, I mean, the the gaming industry is something I'm just brand new entering into. Um, you know, pivoting my career as many other people are doing in this season. Yeah. But um, you know, I just really the last few years screenwriting has been something that I use as a vehicle to sort of get that creative artistic energy out. Um, 
And I think that is something I will continue to do just to be faithful in the little thing um, and kind of create a story that is sort of, in a way, small and personal, yet also, uh, you know, may have may have bigger themes to deal with, just like Star Wars, but not Star Wars. So, <laughs> so yeah, that may be in the cards. So, yeah. All right. Well, keep us updated on how that's going. Because you are a brilliant writer and a great storyteller. And so thank you for hanging out with me and having a conversation uh, and telling me all the things about Star Wars. I mean, I know there's way more, but uh, I feel like this is a great introductory. The tip of the iceberg. The tip of the (laughs) iceberg for everyone and for me. I really enjoyed this. This was like, this is cool. Yeah, this was great. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful. Yay! All right, Judy. Well, we'll see you next time. And uh, we might have to watch The Mandalorian again. Again. That's all I'm saying. I'd be down. Yeah. (laughs) Wasn't that a refreshing take on Star Wars? Oh, I love it so much. And I love hearing from a female perspective regarding this franchise. And I love the way that Judy talked about story and about character. And then we got a little bit deeper with it, right? And we were talking about dreams that we might be pursuing and and especially for those that are pursuing a dream in the entertainment industry or within the film world uh, I feel like there was a special nugget from God to you um, of encouragement and also how you are able to keep moving forward in this because things don't often or hardly ever happen overnight so I hope that you were encouraged by this conversation that you know, started with talking about Star Wars and that's sort of the main thing to lead us in the doorway, but I felt like there was so much more that was explored in this conversation. So if you want to pick Judy's brain some more about Star Wars stuff, about VR stuff, about gaming stuff, you can find her online on Instagram mostly at judy.fernando. And then you can find me at togethergoodco on Instagram as well. I hope this was a fun conversation for you. I hope you got something out of it. And I cannot wait to share my next conversation with you here on Patrice's Playlist. Until the next time, be blessed. I'll talk to you later. You showed me love, one of the deepest kind. You make me smile.